This week it is arts and features that we're going to somehow get to. We are going to be looking at the stigma associated with STIs, the final 16 for my hashtag 31 Days of Horror project. And like it or not, we're going to talk about Trump. So I guess get on board with that. All that and more coming up right now. St. John's, it was there a chance to dwell When I polite was playing in a pub You all know well I met a girl from Cavalier Who said she liked to dance And if I knew just what to do Then maybe I'd have a chance Hello and welcome to the Masthead, the official radio companion to the Navigator newspaper. I am your flabbergasted and disappointed host, Brendan Barlow. It is Arts and Features Week here at the Masthead, which means, of course, you're going to hear the second half of my hashtag 31 days of horror list and on top of that we're talking about a little bit about potted potter about stis and i'm going to make an attempt to keep things light today that said we are going to talk about trump for a little while so i guess be prepared for that before we get to all that of course a little bit of housekeeping right off the top you can connect with me at the show at any time on twitter with hashtag masthead radio and by email at the masthead radio at gmail.com i will check both often and respond as quickly as possible especially on the show you can also call the station and leave your comments with the wonderful folks here if you would like if you've missed an episode of the masthead you can find all of our past shows on itunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts or by heading to themastheadradio.wordpress.com also it is the chly fall fun drive campaign and we are so of course we are fundraising and uh, if you guys don't know this is a community radio station which means that it relies on the community to continue to thrive. So if you would like to make a donation, you can do so by calling the station and pledging or going to chly.ca slash donate. Plenty of stuff to get to today, so let's start things off like we always do with a look at what's trending. Really need a different sound effect for that. So before we get to the arts and entertainment stories and before I introduce my co-host, we're going to talk about the United States election. And I've heard it a bunch online that people are tired of and bored of hearing about it but guess what you don't get to be tired of it or bored of it so let's just get into it um certainly unless you're completely detached from the world at large you are probably painfully aware that donald trump was elected president of the united states on tuesday night it has been a challenging week for many of you particularly americans if there are americans listening to the show um i i guess that's great thank you for listening and i'm so sorry as well i will acknowledge that uh, watching him become president has been uh, stressful and anxiety inducing for me personally uh, and I'm still feeling the effects of that as I sit here in the studio watching the election tracker on Tuesday I can't recall ever feeling so much anxiety over a red bar filling up and the crushing disappointment that followed uh, the end result was surprising uh I wasn't expecting to feel quite as strongly as I did. I know many of you based on Facebook and Twitter posts feel indifferent about the election of an American president, and you shouldn't. Canada and the United States are inexorably linked together, and they have been for a long time. Perhaps this is a result of being the northern neighbor to a major world superpower, but what happens there will affect us, including this. Perhaps most terrifying to me is not knowing how we're going to be affected um as for american listeners or just america is is sort of just putting these thoughts out into the universe i guess um to those in the lgbtq plus community to women to people of color to refugees immigrants uh, allies and just decent people uh, down there i am so sorry nearly 50 percent of your country has failed you those 50 percent, the one whose fault this is shame on you 
Um, you have shown support for a racist, bigot, misogynist, xenophobe, garbage heap, and essentially proven to anyone in your life who will be hurt directly by Trump that you couldn't possibly give a fuck about them at all. I am sincerely disappointed, upset, and completely drained. This is a bad thing. You did a bad thing. Um, particularly to those who didn't vote, who abstained from voting, or who wrote in Harambe or whatever other thing that you did, this is also on you. You don't get to abstain from a decision like this, and yet you did. Um, a lot has been said about this election from at least it wasn't Hillary to this won't affect us as Canadians to, oh, it won't even be that bad. And all of these are false statements. And this is going to be a significant issue that will not be going away. I understand that you might be tired of hearing about this, but this is just getting started and you have to care about it. Our neighbors down south deserve us to care about it. Positivity is hard to find at times like this, and I wanted to share a little clip with you guys of Stephen Colbert responding to the election kind of as it was happening. Um, and once that's done, we're going to move forward, and uh, I'm going to introduce my, my co-host as well. So all these things to look forward to, but first, I do want to just play this. It, it it's, uh, helped me a little bit. So uh, here you go. I don't think I could sit down right now. Uh, we still don't know, right? And we don't have any idea when it's going to be called. Okay, is there any uh, polls? I mean, is it literally going to come down like Alaska and Hawaii and, and stuff like that? Because we never wait for those people. <laughs> we don't know. We love them, but, you know, they're too far out west. Now, um, I think we can agree that this has been an absolutely exhausting, bruising election yeah, for everyone. That's right. And it has come to an ending that I did not imagine. We all mm -hmm. now feel the way Rudy Giuliani looks. Um, <laughs> seeing this election, seeing, seeing this election, you know, people all around the world, I mean, she's going off to Portugal. Everybody's going to be saying, has America lost its mind? And the answer is evidently, back off, buddy. We got 300 million guns and we're kind of stressed right now. <laughs> By every metric, I mean, we are more divided than ever as a nation. Um, do we still, do we have this graphic from earlier before? According to the Pew Research Center, uh, more than four in 10 voters say the other party's policies are so misguided they pose a threat to the nation. But you know what? Everybody feels that way. And not only that, more than half of Democrats say the Republican Party makes them afraid. While 49% of, do I have this right? Is it 49% of Republicans say the same thing about the Democratic Party? So both sides are terrified of the other side. And I think that's why the voting booth has a curtain, so you have some place to hide after the election's over. So how did our politics get so poisonous? I think it's because we overdosed, especially this year. We drank too much of the poison. You take a little bit of it so you can hate the other side. And it tastes kind of good. And you like how it feels. And there's a gentle high to the condemnation, right? And you know you're right, right? Mm. You know you're right. When I was a kid, we didn't think about politics this much. A lot, but not this much. I grew up in Watergate. That was my first president was Nixon. Wow. I'd come wow. home from school. Couldn't watch the Beverly Hillbillies because there was Senator Sam Irvin with the big eyebrows. 
talking about crimes committed in the White House. That was a great dividing moment, I think, in American politics. That's the er moment where we all stop trusting each other. Because mm. Vietnam was wrapped up in that, too. People were dying for political expediency rather than a cause they believed in. But as a kid, even with all that, we didn't talk about politics as much. We, staked, uh, we stuck with safe, safe subjects. Like, you know, back then it was like, you know, you talk about religion at the dinner table or trying to guess which family member was gay, you know? <laughs> back, back when it mattered, you know? Politics used to be something we thought about every four years, maybe two years if you didn't have a lot of social life, you know? You, were care, you cared about the midterm elections. And that's good that we didn't think about it that much because it left room in our lives for other things and for other people. I'm from a big family. Jimmy, Eddie, Mary, Billy, Margot, Tommy, Jay, Peter, Paul, and Stephen. My mother was born two days before women could vote the first time in a presidential election. And again, we don't know what's going to happen, but I was thinking this was going to be the time that she got what she wanted. She told me at age 92, short before she died, oh, I think I would vote for Hillary this time. It's time. She only voted for one Democrat in her entire life. That was Kennedy. Because, spoiler alert, we're Catholic. <laughs> Politics is a lot of horse race, and horse race is gambling. And gambling is, according to the Bible, a sin. Because it itself is a poison. Mm. Worrying about winning and not what the consequences of winning is. And I think the people who designed our democracy didn't want us in it all the time. Informed, yes. Politicking all the time, I don't think so. Not divided that way. They designed an election that was meant to confuse us and bore us a little bit. That's why the Electoral College exists and C-SPAN. And why the State of the Union begins with 20 minutes of shaking hands with grandpas. <laughs> but now politics is everywhere, and that takes up precious brain space we could be using to remember all the things we actually have in common. So whether your side won or lost, we don't have to do this shit for a while. So... Um, yeah, I recommend checking out the rest of that. It's, um, it's a... It, I don't know, there's something very calming about his perspective and the um, the idea that he's been around and has seen a lot of America, uh, America change uh, an awful lot. So uh, I, I recommend checking out the rest of that. And without further ado, I would, I would like to go ahead and introduce my co-host, if I can remember which mic she's sitting at. Uh, joining me in the studio today is the a frequent and prolific contributor to The Navigator, Chantel Spicer. Hi, Chantel. How are you? Greetings. I'm good. Good. Um, how are you doing uh, today? <laughs> or this week, I guess. I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, as well as can be expected. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a hard time of year because it's like lots of school and then the election on top of it. So mm -hmm. it's hard, but I try and remember that things are good, like date squares and <laughs> apple cider and that things are beautiful outside and taking lots of self-care time. So mm -hmm. good. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, your, do you have any kind of uh, initial thoughts and responses to, I mean, what we would, you were here watching this with me or just to what's happened or even to what I said, if there's um, anything like that that you had a, a thought or a response about? Um, 
I thought that that Stephen Colbert bit is really refreshing. That's the first time that I've heard it. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to Stephen Colbert, you know, like having the facade mm-hmm. of, you know, he's actually has the facade of a Republican yes, yeah. quite a bit. So it's actually kind of refreshing to hear him speak quite genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a very personal point of view, I thought that was really great and a good time for it to show that. So it's a good perspective. I like the idea that he has of finding common ground. I think that that's really important right now because that's how you organize to take action against something like this is mm-hmm. finding our commonalities. So, Yeah, and you, you mentioned to me before that you're actually a citizen of I, the United States. I am. I don't know if that was if I'm supposed to keep that off the off oh. the air or anything. But oh, no, I don't. So, so you actually voted in this election. I did. Um, and now I won't make you say who you voted for on the air if you don't want to. But um, going into it, did you think that it would come out this way um that's a hard question to answer i mean surely we all have that little thing in the back of our heads that go that kind of has that complete lack of faith in people's ability to make the right decision but yeah i mean did you think that it would come down to it being a a reality television star running the country Uh, i don't know i always kind of like kind of went back and forth through the entire election Mm -hmm. as to how it was going to go because there seemed for a really long time that he was totally going to win it and then what he said just kept getting more and more inflammatory especially Mm -hmm. towards the end there about women Uh, and then i'm like there's no way there's absolutely no way and then when it started happening i felt just as flabbergasted as peter mansbridge looked (laughs) who like fully looked like he needed a snickers bar like he he was going to be there a while and yeah, I don't know. It's pretty surreal still. Mm-hmm. Like it almost feels like it didn't happen that way. I've been telling everybody like trying to trying to make an analogy. Like mm-hmm. it's one thing to believe in aliens, like extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial, like sure. not illegal ones, but <laughs> to like <laughs> believe in aliens and then to see one, just mm-hmm. like that difference and have believing and then having it happen. So it's, it's pretty surreal. I did a super Canadian duty and called my mom yesterday to apologize for what was happening in her country. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, but more than anything, I'm just really happy to be in Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that I have dual citizenship and not just American citizenship. Mm-hmm. So it's good. I'm happy to be here. And I feel really bad for all my friends who are still in the States who are very like-minded to myself. And yeah, it's just pretty awful for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I've offered my living room as a refugee status. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone seeking asylum can stay in my living room. I did see that the um, the Canadian immigration website crashed the night mm-hmm. of the election, which is maybe not necessarily related to anything. However, it's if it's a hell of a coincidence um, if it was overloaded that day. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a government website. They're not supposed to crash typically. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a challenging thing to watch happen, um, and and yeah, I mean we you know we talked kind of extensively before the show, and and we both sort of said maybe maybe Hillary Clinton wasn't everyone's favorite choice, but given the two choices, and yes, there were two choices, um, there is an objectively bad decision, and it was seemingly the one that was made. Yeah, definitely. Although you know when you think about it. When you think about it, it's really hard to not say like this is this is hardly democracy, really. Mm-hmm. When you just have to kind of choose the lesser of two yeah. evils. I mean, that's the majority of democracies around the world. Yeah. But that's shite. 
Oh yeah, I mean, and no one, no one agrees more than me that it's a flawed system. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, I, I had the same conversation with people as I'm going into social work and to work in, a, in as a social worker. And, and one of the things I hear is, why? Why would you want to be a part of that system? Mm-hmm. Because it is fundamentally broken in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. But it's the one that exists, and mm-hmm. you can't change it by not participating in it you have to change it through participation and i'd rather be a part of a system that doesn't work than to just sort of say eh, forget this it doesn't suit me yeah it yeah. doesn't work so Pretty forget selfish. it let's vote for a dead gorilla or whatever yeah. <laughs> sorry that's something i i've it's been just eating at me that eleven thousand people said that they wrote in a vote for harambe um i feel like you should have your citizenship revoked or something mm-hmm. anyway Anyway, um, I do want to bring up uh, one kind of positive thing that did come out of this election um, because they weren't just voting on president. They were voting on quite a lot of things. Um, The sort of other disappointing thing, actually, is that uh, Republicans won the House and the Senate, which is so you have now a Republican majority government in the states, which is a frightening, uh, a frightening idea for sure. And you've got now Mike Pence as the um, president. VP. The VP, and he is a man who campaigned to mandate uh, funerals for uh, aborted fetuses. Uh, that the mothers, sorry, that the women who chose to have an abortion would have to participate in. Um, I mean that that alone is frightening. And I mean, you have you combine him with Trump and his insane and, like you said, inflammatory mm-hmm. conduct people can't think that this is now over and he's now going to present as some kind of like adult presidential person Mm -hmm. who's making good decisions and it's yeah and it's really hard like even trying to find words for it like i feel like there almost needs to be a new language about how to speak about how messed up this all is like i feel like so much of the time trying to talk about it that i like you just were like at a complete loss yeah. as to like how do i even say something that is so repulsive to every bit of my being mm-hmm. it's so hard like there needs to be a different way to talk about it it's, yeah yeah I mean, or maybe not even through language so. yeah i mean that's one of the reasons that i i kind of de- I, typically i i censor myself on the show i don't like to swear on the radio i think that it's uh not necessary necessarily but that's you know one of the reasons I didn't censor myself in that sort of opening spiel that I gave because I don't I, it, it, in doing that I think that it cheapens what I'm trying to say and I need to to completely express what I'm feeling and I, I we have some clips up coming up that I didn't censor so be ready for that I guess um, but yeah you need to be able to to find those words and sometimes those words are not everyone's favorite but they are apt in mm-hmm. in um expressing how you're feeling about it yeah they're there for a reason yeah yeah um so one of the good things that did come out was from minnesota an american somali muslim woman and 34 year old mother of three ilan ilhan omar beat 22 term incumbent and 79 year old phyllis khan to win seat as seat oh, sorry it's uh, misspelled here to win a seat as minnesota state representative of Dix- district 60b she's the first u.s somali american representative and the first muslim minnesotan state representative born in somalia in 1982 she's only a few years older than me and she's killing it uh omar was a war refugee who lived in kenya refugee camp for four years she immigrated to the u.s at 13 uh, immersed into politics as a translator in 96 
uh, and at age 14, or sorry, that was at age 14, and later graduated from North Dakota State University with a degree in political science. Um, besides her gender, faith, and background, it is also inspiring to see a new, young, and dedicated millennial leader. Uh, national average in the legislative uh, is is 56, if you were wondering. So, um, yeah, 34 years old. And referred to as a millennial, because as I learned recently, millennial is not people younger than you. That is anyone born in the late 80s, which is devastating to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be categorized there. No, no. No, I don't. But I think there are some some unfortunately dismissive things that we like to think about millennials and, mm-hmm. and no but one wants to. But good for her. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to stitch that into my quilt of hope. Absolutely. That's it's, a great story. Yeah. And I'm. it's nice to... It, it can be really hard at times like this to find the positives in in these things you know we we can look and see what's going to happen is is probably going to be bad and people are going to be directly hurt and affected by this new president but there are things that are happening that are positive people are out protesting there is action being taken Mm -hmm. um and it's going to be a bizarre and long four years i think yeah yeah and i mean he doesn't even really start until january yeah um, one thing, this came out um, during the Brexit vote, and I think were, is um, worth bringing up again. Um, this is what to do if you were witnessing Islamophobic harassment. I think you can probably extrapolate this to um, to homophobic harassment, to any other racial harassment, and things that are going to probably increase, and we've seen this sort of already, these stories coming out about about incidents like this in in the U.S. and um, we see them here as well. We're not immune to it as much as we like to think we are as Canadians. Um, so there are four steps here. It is a comic, so you're not getting the visual part, but I think it's worth um, bringing up. So the first step is to engage in conversation. Go to them, sit beside them, and say hello. Try to appear calm, collected, and welcoming, and ignore the attacker. Pick a random subject and start discussing it. It can be anything. A movie that you liked, the weather, saying that you like something that they are wearing, or and ask them where they got it. Um, the third thing is to keep building the safe space. Keep eye contact with them and don't acknowledge the attacker's presence. The absence of a response from you two will push them to leave the area shortly. Continue this conversation until the attacker leaves and escorts them, escort them to a safe place if necessary. Bring them to a neutral area where they can re, uh, recollect themselves. Respect their wishes if they tell you that they're okay and they just want to go. Simple steps that don't involve trying to fight someone or kind of this this non-violent, non, um, non-combative approach to helping someone. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that's a really great idea, actually. I know... Sometimes it's really hard when you're faced with situations like that mm-hmm. um, to focus. It's really it's really easy to focus on the attacker rather yeah. than the person being attacked, just because that's our natural reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's a good step because I often think, you know, like when is it <clears throat> time to educate the the attacker? Like when is that your role to right. educate them? But yeah, I really like that. I've never seen that comic before. Uh, yeah, it, that's it, great. It was one yeah that re- released during the Brexit vote in the in the UK, which mm-hmm. is another huge disaster waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think something to keep in mind is you're not going to change the mind of some dude no. on the bus who's yelling slurs at someone. Mm-hmm. And like you say, when is it your role to to teach? Mm-hmm. It isn't. Sometimes it, it is, I but feel, it's, it's hard to I, know. I feel it's your role to teach them when 
it's someone that you know and when you are because if you have a relationship with somebody if you are friends with somebody who continues to you know spout homophobic or transphobic or islamophobic epithets on a regular basis that is the kind of person that you want to say hey Mm -hmm. that's not okay and Mm -hmm. don't reward that behavior and don't encourage or laugh at or endorse that behavior and for the record by not saying anything to them you are endorsing their behavior Mm -hmm. um but to, to approach someone on the street who is yelling at someone else at you you take you put more attention to the person and they realize that oh this is a great way for me to get attention and i think it's hard to say hey you shouldn't be doing this and here's why because they're more inclined to hit you or or mm-hmm. you know you're putting yourself and the person being attacked at risk by by doing that sometimes and i mean it, you say it's hard it's hard to know what move to make but focusing on the person who needs the help mm-hmm. is probably the the strongest thing that you can do in that time and it's it's hard to do yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> i i don't know how much more we can say i'm sure it's going to come up in some of the other stories but do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about just on on trump and the election before we continue on um no i think i'm pretty good for now i've been talking about it for a while (laughs) sure i know uh in talking with one of my teachers yesterday who is also um partly american Mm -hmm. she's she's jokingly saying you know all these canadians need to stop asking her how she is because (laughs) it's not they have an an attractive well-educated prime minister (laughs) um which made me chuckle but um yeah i'm just I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see what happens, and it's just really hard to pick apart what my feelings are on it. So, yeah, yeah. No, I I can understand that, and I'm sure that oh, you know it's not a conversation that's going to go away anytime no. soon. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I encourage people too don't don't just sort of let this go now and have it be something else because it, it's going to continue, and we are just sort of getting started. Um, mm-hmm. So what I'll do. Usually I do this when the issue comes out, but it does seem a bit more relevant to do it now. Um, we have a segment on the news and sports show called Point of VIU, which is a segment out of the news or an article out of the newspaper where we ask people, at, uh, students and people around VIU, what they think of events that are going on. And of course, we asked what they thought about Trump becoming president. So I'm going to play those uh, as kind of a final. Um, piece on it and then we'll uh then we'll be back so these are students thoughts on trump as president it's a tragic comedy in my opinion um i guess nobody was expecting it um and uh, i wasn't either i'm a foreigner from uh, from germany and i feel like um there's uh, more qualified candidates than him but uh, i guess that's what when the people want it's election it's fair and uh now we have to deal with the uh, consequences. I'm uh, <laughs> yeah, afraid to say I look forward to it, but um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm kind of worried that um, you know my the immigration in Canada might change. You know, like I'm uh, I'm here and I heard the uh, immigration page of uh, Canada went down last night. So um, I'm interested to see on how that might impact me as a foreigner here. I'm very disappointed with it. I think that it's going to cause a lot of upset in the states and everywhere else. I'm really concerned from an environmental point of view because he does he's a climate change denier, right? And I also think that we're going to see escalated racial violence in the states because it was such a racially driven election. Um, I think it's disappointing being a person in North America right now. I think even though um, it's not really 
not our country, we are affiliated with it, and I think it's super disappointing um, that that's how we're viewed right now. Um, I think being a woman, it's super upsetting as well, um, just with what everything's going on around that. And um, yeah, I could go a lot more into it, but I also don't want to seem ranty, so yeah. <laughs> but no, no, it's actually it's actually really fucked up, especially because if you see when Obama won the elections, like because we, we just watched it earlier, like when the Obama won the elections in 2008, bro. His speech was really good. If you saw Trump's speech yesterday, it was fucking awful. He was like, oh, where's that guy? Thank yeah, that guy's my cousin. He's a good guy. And his son right next to him was just standing there. It was funny. Honestly, I don't believe he's going to be there. I still don't believe it. Like, you know, he already won. I still don't believe he... I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's really fucked. I, I don't know what to say. Hillary is a lot likely. In fact, she is following the same mandate that George Bush and the family was doing. And she's pretty much in in that circle. And there, Hillary's going to start wars. She's, um, she's basically a warmonger. Okay. She gets in, you'll see. Uh, Trump's at, at least is a, businessman in his, um, he's got more practical sense, I guess. All right. They're both idiots. Yeah, yeah. But it's, the world is in a very dire straits. All right, so those were the uh, POVs from, um, from the upcoming issue of The Navigator, just to kind of give you a sense of what people are saying. Uh, also, thanks to the um, the fellow who called and pointed out that there were other people on the ballot that I did not mention, um, which is fair enough. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, we're gonna just move on. We're gonna play some music. And we're gonna come back and actually have a look at some of the trending stories um, in arts and entertainment. And you can probably imagine that there are a few about Trump. This one is uh, from Kate Tempest's new album. Her album is called "Let Them Eat Chaos." And the song is called Perfect Coffee. We'll be back with Chantel Spicer after this. Now just two doors down, in the first floor flat, in the old ramshackle house with the broken down porch and the novelty doorbell, the lights are still on. Zoe plays her music low, she's got a bottle on the go, everything's in boxes. It's been a long night packing. Clothes in black bin bags, blue tack greasing the paintwork. What the fuck is all this stuff? There's the road sign stolen from Quick Shag Street. Shirts and skirts, posters, CDs, comedy coasters, broken TV, birthday card that her sister made in the distant past when she turned 13. Hair stuff, books, love letters she can't bin, and outside the night and inside the last hurrah. Limited edition Air Max 110s, 
Che Guevara bust, complete with his ornamental glass cigar. Now for years, the landlord never fixed the shower and the mold kept growing up the kitchen walls. He'll do it up nice now, sure. Repaint it, he's tripled the rent. He's gonna get it and all. She's only got a few hours left to get the room all packed and clean. So he goes to the window, looks to the street, lights up a smoke. It's 4.18. The squats we used to party in our flats we can't afford. Sisyphus pushing his boulder 
The kids are alright, but the kids will get older bit of a music break there that was from Kate Tempest's new album Let Them Eat Chaos I like it and I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the album I sort of picked these songs because they're new and I haven't actually heard most of them um, so trending news stories we're going to fly through these pretty quick because I just realized we've spent 40 minutes on Trump um, first one Black Mirror the new hit well the third season of the hit show which you can watch on on Netflix did confirm that the American election was not an episode of Black Mirror, but was actually happening. Uh, there was a few jokes that said, this is a, the scariest episode of Black Mirror that I've ever seen. And they said, you yeah, know, this is really happening. So, um, fun little sense of humor about it. And with less of a sense of humor, Azalea Banks said that she feels truly inspired and feels a deep amount of vindication from the result of the election, which is not the exact response uh, that I would have expected. She even says, I would like to apologize to Donald Trump for all the stupid jokes I made, which is uh, also disappointing. Um, she's proud as F of him. I'm not quoting. I'm, I'm not going to give her the benefit of that. Um, she says that America deserves a way better first female president than trash ass Hillary. Uh... I <laughs> That's some bad feminism. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say in yeah. response to that. Other than, look, I recognize that Hillary wasn't everyone's favorite choice, but the alternative was objectively worse. Mm. I think. I mean, as in as much as you can say something is objectively something, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean. I don't, I mean, I don't even know. And Google Chrome has crashed on me now. So, uh, obviously, the plan is now to move on to uh, to more pressing things. We're going to just move right on. Um, Chantel, we've talked about how you are a prolific contributor to The Navigator. And this issue, you contributed uh, a review of a book about uh, Alice in Wonderland oh, from no. a different perspective. It's the author of Wicked, right? That's yeah. The, okay. Yeah. Um, so I won't get you to go into it too far, but if you want to tell people just a little bit about the book and uh, if you, you know, why or why not you enjoyed it and if you recommend it, that kind of thing, um, I'm just going to sort of get this back. Okay. You you technologically away while I talk yeah. about books. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that it was a great book. I know that not a lot of people have time for reading novels this time of year. I know that I'm at that point now where if I get done with my school readings. I just want to go straight to Netflix. But over the Christmas holiday, I would definitely suggest picking this one up. It's by Gregory Maguire, who wrote Wicked. So he is infamous for providing an alternative alternative storyline to classics. Um, this one looks at Alice in Wonderland. It's called After Alice. And it is from the point of view of a girl who is mentioned in one line of a bizarre poem. Her name is Ada. And it's just a really interesting perspective, not only on the, the world of Wonderland, but also on Victorian England. He kind of spins it in a way where you're kind of left wondering which is which, as each are equally ridiculous in their double standards for women, uh, general social protocols, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a very fluid, easy to read book. 
uh, once you get settled into it, it does use the language of Alice in Wonderland. So you have a little bit, you do have to kind of settle into it in the first couple of pages, but it's quite enjoyable. Like all of his stuff. He's great. Oh, that's, uh, that's great. And so uh, he, is that sort of how he comes up with these things is by picking from obscure points in different books to, to create these yeah. other entire other worlds about it. Yeah. Almost so, like writing prompts for, for him, but he's kind of turned that into a, yeah. a an art form of its own. Yeah. Which I know he's gotten a lot of flack for, like he okay. can come up with his own original idea. <laughs> well, but, if it works, yeah, can't fault but, the guy for making money but doing great. what he's doing. You know, yeah. I think, I think especially in this day and age, it's, it's become quite prominent to look at things from different points of view rather than from, you know, like a master narrative. So I think Mm -hmm. that he really embodies that. It's really great. He's done that with obviously the wizard of Oz. He's done it with Cinderella, sleeping beauty, um, lots of classic children's literature is Mm -hmm. what he focuses on. So it's really awesome. And it's something that you could, most of them you could read with like an older kid as well. So they still keep that childlike, ambiance to them it's mm-hmm. kind of like a pixar movie okay so there's stuff in there ages. that is for adults but it's definitely kind of a, a broader audience that can yeah. absorb it okay yeah um and so the next thing that you're going to be writing for me anyway for the arts section is you're going to see buffy st marie Ooh. in on the 20th on the 20th of this November. month right okay yeah. so talk a little bit about if you if you want or if mm-hmm. i have i didn't ask you to prepare anything but if you want to talk a bit about buffy st marie and what the show is and why it's something that you're very enthusiastic about yeah and is almost sold out i think you said it's just about sold out yeah, yeah. there's just a handful of tickets left for students they're only 15 dollars, so it's really a steal yeah that's um, a real bargain it's yeah. a real bargain uh the port theater has made themselves very accessible for a lot of their shows for students actually especially with this um the spotlight series that they're doing mm-hmm. um i'm really excited to go and see buffy um she is a Canadian icon, not only among First Nations uh, music and issues and people, but like she is really a voice for for all rights. Um, she talks a lot about the environment, love of land, um, connections to community, um, safety for women and children. So her music and her voice in general just really runs the whole gamut of mm-hmm. rights activist. Um, and not having grown up in Canada, I wasn't really introduced to her until even moving to Vancouver Island 10 years ago. Um, so I've become an avid fan in that mm-hmm. relatively short period of her career. She's been a music maker for her whole life. Um, but yeah, she's she's really great. And the new album that she's come out with um, just this year is hugely important. Um, it's hard to even describe the nuances that she has involved with her song work. It's really awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to go and see her live. This is my first time seeing her live, and I have no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, I've heard her give a lot of talks through the CBC about, especially with the Truth and Reconciliation coming right, out. Yeah. Last year, she's spoken quite openly on CBC about her career and what it's meant to her to be Indigenous in the spotlight so i'm really looking forward to it yeah and um this is sort of it's part of the ongoing series of um events that viu has been co-sponsoring as well with with the um the witness blanket is Mm -hmm. one of them and this buffy st marie show and there's something else do you know yeah so on the 25th of november dr tracy lindbergh who Mm -hmm. is the writer of birdie which was featured as a cbc reads 
this year as well, is coming to do the Indigenous Speaker Series at VIU, okay. uh, which is a free event. You just have to go on to eventbrite.ca and sign up, re- just reserve tickets. Okay. And it's um, recorded for the CBC Ideas mm-hmm. show. So, okay. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of events um, about reconciliation. They have a name for it, but I forget. Yeah, I can't remember it either. No. I've definitely talked about it a few times on the show, and for the life of me, I don't remember uh, what it is called at all. Yeah, so this is a busy <laughs> month for reconciliation Absolutely. in terms of VIU, which is great. Yeah, and have you have you been up to the Witness Blanket? Oh, yeah. I was okay. there opening night. Yeah, and thoughts? I haven't been to see it yet, and I need to, so yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah, you should do it, and you should really do the blanket exercise. Okay. I think that the Students' Union um, is doing it, so you should join us as a group, since, I mean, the NAV is part of the Students' Union. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's incredibly powerful. Um, I mean, I can only explain it from my point of view, mm-hmm. but it's something that holds so much energy that you can actually feel it. Okay. Um, like, it actually pushes at you. Um, and it's, it's really powerful. And there's certain pieces that really like, there's pieces on that, that I'm going to hold forever, mm-hmm. like hold them. So yeah, it's, it's a really powerful piece and hearing, um, uncle Gary, who's an elder in residence, uh, spoke very openly as did Doug White and the artist, um, at Carrie at the opening. And it's just hugely powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recommend everyone sees it it's there until the 30th okay so. so there's still time if you haven't seen it if you're like me and you need to get out of your house more often yeah definitely okay. <laughs> definitely go and see it and okay. i mean it's it's not something that you have to engage with other people on like i don't know in my opinion it's really something that's quite personal mm-hmm. and that it's something that you you make of it what you're going to make mm-hmm. so and you'll carry what you're going to carry so. yeah and i mean certainly it's it's a large piece of of work that it's kind of Mm-hmm. You almost can't not be affected by it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something so large and and you know such a big large scale project. It's hard to look at and not go and not have some kind of reaction to. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, just to paraphrase something that Doug White said about it too, who I, who I hold immense respect for him and the words that he's able to summon on occasions like that. You know, he was talking about how it relates to the Nuchalneth screens that mm-hmm. have potlatches. There are screens that. Um, reflect for the people attending the potlatch something about the host Mm -hmm. and um, that the witness blanket reminded him of those that when you see when you see the witness blanket it really reflects on you um, the history of Canada in a new way so it was it's really good mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay so there you go everybody go and see it it's uh, uh, on campus it's, it's on campus in the art gallery in yeah i think they call it the view gallery now okay which is just by the daycare there across from the art building and by the music buildings so. oh, okay i was here i'm thinking it's um up those sort of second high set of stairs so it's not not there no nope. good i'm glad i didn't go there and try and see it yeah totally <laughs> uh, <laughs> save yourself some stairs there's a parking lot right next to it oh god there's so many stairs on that campus um yeah. okay so i know you only have a little bit of time left so i, I wanted to take five minutes here and, and mm-hmm. um and talk about so you said you know you don't have time for books necessarily right now mm-hmm. but you are obviously an avid reader mm. um are, is so is there something else that you're reading now or something that you're excited about or, or even film or music that you're kind of avidly consuming right now that you want people to know about um I'm really amped on the new bonobo album okay um, I love him and it's great study music 
Um, it's just so fluid and groovy and um, really it's like that transformative music. You can okay. make a world out of it. Uh, so I listen to that while I'm studying. Um, so I listen to that. Um, I'm kind of really into Spotify, like whatever Spotify feeds me. It's pretty good, right? It's yeah. Their algorithms for music are spectacular yeah. credit um, where credit is due to spotify for sure yeah not so, a sponsor of this show but no not at all but um yeah <laughs> so basically whatever they feed me i'm i'm really into um but yeah bonobo stands out for me what i'm reading right now um i'm not reading anything really like at the top of any charts I'm no reading, that's fine yeah i'm reading a book called um nobody's mother and it's a book about um women who have chosen not to have children for various reasons okay um and it's canadian which is great. I know we're all about Canadian content. I'll put that on my list of books, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's really quite yeah. good. And you can get it through the Women's Resource Center at the Students' Union once I'm done with it. So. Well, there you go. Where is the Women's Resource Center at the Student Union? Um, it's actually... Um, so if you go into the Students' Union, there's the Outreach Office, mm-hmm. which is where the um, Aboriginal um, representative and the women's rep have their office. And they have this little resource center with a couch and a big bookshelf with all kinds of great stuff mm-hmm. on there. So, and I know that the women's rep is also running a women's book club. Okay. Right now, so and she's got some really great stuff. She's got like Margaret Atwood and the the lady who writes Hyperbole and a Half. Oh wow! Okay. I know, and yeah. Amy Schumer. So there's some really good books, and I think a couple books of poetry and like varying lengths and fiction and nonfiction. So if mm-hmm. you're looking for something to read over the holidays, it's a really awesome selection. Well, there you go. Find mm-hmm. some great feminist literature, or at least mm-hmm. female. Uh, produced literature yep. yeah i yep. don't know I, I can't imagine that amy schumer's book is the most like feminist like progressive feminist piece of work in the last little while but i haven't read it so i have no idea it's totally. a, about her isn't it? it i believe so yeah. yeah but i mean i'm all for lady voices and absolutely she makes yeah. me smile so. sure yeah. um all right we're gonna play another song and let uh chantelle get on with her day thank you so much for for joining me for the first part of the show uh anything you wanted to say to people that are listening um thoughts or final final things to um, things to leave on oh that's that's put me on the spot yes. i don't think so okay I think, yeah i think i'm good thanks for listening and thank you very much for having me this was super fun i'd love to do it again it was a pleasure and we will definitely have you back we are going to play a song from uh, cr avery's new album i think it's one of the few canadian songs i have on today gotta get on top of that better anyway this song <laughs> is called the postmodern draft dodgers anarchist scrapbook uh, from his new album, All the Angels Didn't Scare Me, I think is what it's called. Uh, anyway, Sierra Avery is one of my favorite Canadian artists, and you're going to like this or uh, or else. There you go. Yeah. 
This is Cole Schistler, Sports and Lifestyles Editor for the VIU Navigator, and you're listening to The Masthead on 101.7 CHLY in Nanaimo. Nanaimo's only not-for-profit recycling depot, Nanaimo Recycling Exchange, community-owned and community-operated. Please drop in today. Welcome to the Nanaimo Crime of the Week, brought to you by Nanaimo Crime Stoppers and the Faculty of International Education at Vancouver Island University. Each week, a VIU international student will profile an unsolved crime in Nanaimo. If you have information on this crime, contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. El sábado 29 de octubre a las 3 de la mañana aproximadamente, dos incendios fueron reportados en Central Island Dowen, ubicado en la 140 10th Street. Ambos incendios fueron deliberados. Un incendio destruyó un remolque de 52 pies. Luego se extendió rápidamente, destruyendo muchos vehículos. El segundo incendio fue reportado en el lado opuesto del lote. Dentro del remolque se le prendió fuego a un colchón. Este solo ardió y se extinguió solo rápidamente. No se han identificado sospechosos aún. For more information on this crime and others in the Nanaimo region, please visit nanaimocrimestoppers.com. Hey, this is Chris Murray, and listen to Rebel Music International every Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. when you want to hear the real ska, only on the mighty 101.7 FM CHLY in Nanaimo. Rogue Planet presents Rika and Young Babylon at the Queens, Friday, November 11th. This is an early show with the doors opening at 7 p.m. Tickets are only $8 in advance and $12 at the door and are on sale at Fascinating Rhythm, Bobo's Pizza, The Queens, and online at ticketweb.ca. My brother, my killer, the art of Hey there, I'm Rob from The Body Politic. And when you support community radio, you support the community as well. To support CHLY during its fun drive, contact CHLY at 250-716-3410 or donate to chili.ca slash donate. Hi, this is Diana Pearson from Dirty in the Nav, and you're listening to The Masthead on CHLY. All right, we are back. It is just poor little old me in the studio for the rest of the show. Uh, I know that the beginning of the show started off a bit heavy, and I, uh, you know, I apologize if that was something that you didn't enjoy. But uh, I needed not only just for myself, but to uh, yeah, I just, I needed to get that out, and I needed to uh, to to report it. I felt like doing a a, a bunch of irrelevant stories about movies and whatever and just ignoring Trump would have been uh, a disservice to people who listen to the show or just a, a sort of in a direct violation of my responsibility as someone who works for a newspaper and, and does a show on the radio. Uh, as you guys heard, that was the voice of Diana from Dirty in the Nav, which is the segment we're going to move right along to. We're going to follow up talking about Donald Trump with talking about sex because why wouldn't we uh, i'm sure we all want to talk about that right now would instead anyway unfortunately diana did not uh, have time to record her her segment this week so you're stuck hearing me talk about it um so for those of you who do not know 
Um, if you have questions about sex, sexuality, gender, anything like that, you can send all of those questions, concerns, curiosities to Diana at column at the nav.ca. Your questions will remain anonymous and confidential. Um, and so this week we're talking about stigma and that is the stigma attached specifically to STIs. If you don't know what that means, you're probably more familiar with them as STDs, sexually transmitted infections, or which is the current way we describe it. Uh, diseases is not used anymore. STIs is the new way, just in case you didn't know. So from our very own and wonderful Diana Pearson, here we go. STIs are one of the biggest risks of engaging in sexual activity. So learning about STIs is essential for safer sex practices. So before you get down and dirty, let this Q&A be a conversation starter between you and your current and future partners. Please note that this is a short overview of STIs. For up-to-date, thorough medical information about STIs, seek information from Island Sexual Health, HealthLink BC, a sexual health practitioner, or the links provided in the article in the website, which I will give you if you're someone who likes to write down links that you heard on the radio. Um, so sex ed high school curriculum varies by province and BC's curriculum is hit or miss. As a result, not all of us who grew up in BC learned about how STIs are passed on or even prevented or furthermore, whether or not they're treat or how they're treated. Um, if you grew up in Nanaimo, there is a chance that you had the wonderful Carrie Isham as your sex ed guru. Um, both Diana and myself grew up in Port Alberni, where our sex ed curriculum began as early as grade four. Um, on the other hand, some students have very little access to sex education. Some high school teachers, embarrassed and untrained, resort to scare tactics or, hopefully, pass the job off to a nurse. Another friend came of age just after the AIDS epidemic uh, of the 80s, so her sex education from teachers was the following. If you have sex, you will get AIDS and die, which you will probably remember from... Uh, mean Girls? Is that what that's, that line is from? Anyway, uh, all this is to say that public knowledge of STIs is wobbly and syphilis and gonorrhea are on the rise across Canada. Education is the first step to preventing the spread of STIs and luckily having Google at our fingertips, that means that we have access to great sexual health resources, including, please, if you are looking for information, write these down. First one, sexualhealth.org slash infections. The next one is sexuality and you, that's a, just the letter U, dot CA. Options for sexualhealth.org, sexualhealthandrights.ca, and katie.ca, C-A-T-I-E, which is the Canadian AIDS Treatment Information Exchange. So, we had questions from the news, from the readers, from people from the, from the NAV, from readers. That's amazing. It's so wonderful that you guys want to interact with us. And uh, so to, to see that there are these questions posed from nav readers is really nice to see. And please continue to send in your questions and your bunnies and your stares and the whole thing. We love to hear from you and share what you say. So the first question is, why did the name change from STD to STI? Perfectly good question. The acronym STD stands for sexually transmitted diseases. The word disease was changed to infection for two reasons. First, an infection uh, it does not always show symptoms, but can still cause physical damage. For example, chlamydia can cause infertility when left untreated, yet in many cases it shows no symptoms to those infected. Um, <clears throat> another example, one can become infected with HPV without ever developing cervical cancer, which can be caused by some strains of HPV. This change in terminology was also made to reduce social stigma. It is sort of less stigmatized to have a um, to have an infection than to have a disease 
Um, although the stigma around STIs remains rampant and disappointing to say the least. Um, so that's, there you go. That is why uh, the next one, is it possible for a woman to pass an STI to another woman during sex? If neither woman has had a male partner? Yes. That is my answer. Diana's answer is this. STIs do not discriminate by a biological sex. In other words, yes, it is absolutely possible for a woman to pass an STI on to her female partner. Most STIs are passed through bodily fluids. HIV in particular can be passed through blood, vaginal fluids, semen, including pre-ejaculate, anal fluids, and breast milk. Some are passed from through skin-to-skin -skin contact, which includes herpes, the, of which there are two strains, HSV 1 and 2, and genital warts, which is caused by a strain of HPV, uh, pubic license scabies, also skin-to-skin -skin contact. Um, having sex involves getting sweaty, wet, and sticky, and sharing bodily fluids, so all sexual play involves some level of risk, not just PNV intercourse. Oral anal sex toy play and BDSM all pose a risk of contracting an STI. You have to be safe, you have to be respectful, and you have to be smart. Can you talk about the social stigma surrounding STIs? That is what we are all here for. Social stigma is an unfair belief of someone or of a group of people in society. In regards to STIs, some people hold the belief that those who have them are dirty, slutty, sleazy, or unclean. Those are all in quotes. I'm not choosing those words. Diana's not choosing those words. Those are things we've all heard people refer to as. Two of the most socially stigmatized STIs are HIV and herpes. I've heard jokes about getting the HIV from having sex with somebody who might look or seem sleazy, which is a horrifying joke to make. Um, for example, uh, our writer Diana gets cold sores and when I point out my insecurity about having a big blistery outbreak on my face caused by internalized stigma no doubt I hear this response well at least you don't have herpes psst cold sores are caused by herpes genital herpes are typically caused by HSV2 but the strains can be passed from mouth to genitals and vice versa these jokes and phrases can uh, come of either of an honest lack of education, ignorance, or deliberate negative view stigma, but be mindful. Social stigma about STIs can shut down conversations and encourage a culture of silence. In a 2008 study among university students, it showed that social stigma is powerful enough to prevent a sexual partner from feeling comfortable sharing the truth that they have an STI and even discourage sexually active students from being tested. Yikes, guys. Come on. Uh, to answer all of these concerns, yep, you guessed it, education and communication. Learn about how STIs are passed on and prevented and treated. Take a big breath, embrace those sweaty palms, and tell your partner about your sexual history. Ask about theirs. Don't judge them by their, quote, number. Fill your cupboards with the joyful supplies available to prevent STIs, including condoms for males and females, dental dams, and gloves. Use them whenever necessary. Get tested regularly after having unprotected sex with a new partner and once a year. And please, please, when you heard when you hear those unpleasant jokes about the HIV or the herp, politely let those jokesters know that the terms might indirectly encourage spread of STIs and the associated stigma. Be respectful to people. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, also fun fact, the VIU Health and Wellness Center in Building 200 offers STIs testing to students and options for sexual health uh, at 285 Prudhoe Street offers comprehensive sexual health services, including STI testing, birth control, pro-choice counseling, and referrals for both pregnancy and abortion. So there you go. You can do all of those things. And, you know, it's amazing to me 
how rampant these stigmas are, especially given now, especially sort of in terms of um, with HIV research is, is, is a good example here. Um, there are, um, if someone with HIV has is compliant with their medication, in most cases, their viral load is undetectable, making them non uh, non-viral and they will not transmit the disease that is where we're at with research into um, HIV and preventing and helping there's also uh, something called prep I believe I think it's called something different in Canada and I apologize I really should have looked into all this before the show but of course I didn't uh, <laughs> and it's um, you know we don't really think about this and we really don't have to worry and yeah, it's it's all it's all terrible and everyone's terrible. Um, but there is a great thing that I want to share. Uh, there's a program called Adam Ruins Everything, and there is an episode about sex. Of course, there is because why would Adam ruin everything and not ruin sex? Uh, and it talks about the stigma around um, around STIs and specifically herpes. And I want to share. His this little clip with you uh, as just sort of a further point to what Diana has been saying. So this is Adam Ruins Everything talking about herpes and stigma. I'm teaching them about herpes. Oh, about how herpes isn't a big deal and people don't really need to worry about it? What? No, about how herpes is super serious and very dangerous. Uh, herpes isn't dangerous. Most of the time it's not even noticeable. Oh no you don't buddy, because I actually know what I'm talking about this time. I even made a video about it to teach my students. Oh, cool, let's watch it. Yeah, let's. I know this is a trap, but I'm very confident. <sighs> hey kids, DJ Murph here. I'm gonna use this to apply to film school. You totally should. And I'm here to talk to you about herpes. It is a serious, sexually transmitted disease. Wow, herpes, that sounds scary. I'm a teen. Disease. It is. Just ask Herpy, the terrifying genital herpes virus. Four out of five people who carry me don't know they have it. I cause an eruption of red sores around your genitals, and I'm incurable. <laughs> Great special effects. George Lucas is a big influence on my work. <laughs> wow, it sounds like herpes is terrible. Me and my bae better not be having sexual intercourse. I wouldn't say that, but I would wrap it. Herpes! No! Don't! Stop! Stop! No! Don't! Herpes is for derpies! Herpes, yo! It ain't chill! You can't cure it with a pill! One in six Americans carry herpes in their pants! These scare tactics are full of crap. <laughs> ah! This is getting good. <laughs> it's time for you two to learn what herpes is really like. Ready to show them herpes? I'm really not so bad, buddies! Did you just give us herpes for real? Yep, you're welcome. What the actual hell? You just gave us a serious disease. No, I didn't. I gave you herpes. Let's break it down. Uh. Okay, starting from the top. Eruptions of sores? That's scaremongering. Let's call them what they are, little red bumps. Sounds gross. Yeah, except you're already covered with little red bumps. Mosquito bites, ingrown hairs, pimples. To be human is to be covered in little red bumps, yo. It's true, I do have bacne. Yo, you got con over. 
Secondly, the reason four out of five carriers don't know they have it is because they either have no symptoms or their symptoms are so mild they never notice. And nearly everyone has it. If you include oral herpes, worldwide nearly 90% of the global population carries some strain of herpes. What? And that means if you don't have it, uh, you're the weird one. You're, 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 the, you're, you're the weird one. Oh, stop it! Stop it, I don't play basketball! Nah, I straight up don't believe you. You're not a doctor. Oh, neither are you, you're a gym teacher. This is a doctor. Oh, oh my God. Guys, this is Dr. Jennifer Lang, a board certified OBGYN. Hey guys. Thank God. This guy just gave us herpes. What's gonna happen to us? Probably not a lot. Most people don't even develop symptoms. Some people might have a mild rash around the mouth or genital region, maybe some red or white bumps. The truth is, if you're not immunocompromised or in the late stages of pregnancy, you really don't have to worry about it. Most sexually active adults are gonna be exposed to herpes at some point in their life. It's really not a big deal. That's what I tell my patients. Thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. Oh, oh my God. Ow. All right, so just a little fun bit of um, of stigma fighting, I guess. Just something to consider, uh, including oral herpes. 90% of the population has them, and that is crazy. Um, sorry, I, I feel like I, I've gotten a little bit off track this this in this hour of the show, and I'm just, I am, I'm feeling pretty um, discombobulated and, and kind of off my game and I, I do apologize for that so I hope you can I hope you can understand and I'm sure a lot of you are feeling the same way um, yeah so we are going to do uh, we're gonna do another song because I'm I'm just ready for that uh, this one is probably the most bizarre one that I'm going to play it is it is by a Japanese band called baby metal who most famously recently was endorsed by um, um, Rob Zombie, prompting bizarre backlash that I don't understand. So we're going to play a song from their new album, which is called Metal Resistance. And the uh, yeah, the song is called Karate, which is the one I've chose because it was the only one not in Japanese characters that I couldn't read. So, Baby Metal Karate from their new album. Enjoy, and we'll be back when it's over.
right, that was Baby Metal, their new song from their new album. The song was called Karate, and you can check out the album. It is called Metal Resistance. I recommend that you do. I kind of was not expecting to unironically enjoy that song, but uh, their first songs that I heard were kind of weird mashups of different genres, and they kind of seem to have come together with a bit more of a cohesive piece of uh, music, in at least in that song. So, as I promised, we are going to finish off my 31 Days of Horror. If you remember, uh, two weeks ago, I did the first portion, which was October 1st to the 15th. It was 15 horror movies that I watched out of the 31 that I watched in total during October. And I'm going to talk about the remaining 16. Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit excited, I guess. Uh, um, and maybe, maybe we need in order to really make this interesting some sort of horror ambient music so let's just see what i get when i uh when i look that up on on youtube and we can uh here we go world's scariest dark ambient music let's just listen to it and see if it's gonna work oh that's an ad um so well, yeah i'll set the mood and then i will tell you guys what my uh what my picks were here and we'll see what uh, yeah we'll see what happens oh all right, so this is my uh, 31 Days of Horror, part two, starting with October 16th, 1987's The Gate. Uh, the Gate is a fun and goofy little movie chock full of everything that you love about the 1980s, including stop motion creatures, effects, and goofy child characters with a clear sense of fun as well. A couple of jarring and disturbing homo homophobic epithets throughout the movie, including one that doesn't make any sense at, as a phrase. Um, but all in all, The Gate is a, just a whole bunch of fun. Uh, it also stars a very young Stephen Dorff, which is kind of fun. And the mom from the OC is in it as a child with the greatest hair I've ever seen. So look for that as well. Uh, this music is weird. Um, October 17th was Night of the Demons from 1988. Another delightful product of the 1980s, Night of the Demons, is a pretty ridiculous movie loaded with gore and great makeup effects. Uh, the movie immediately reminded me of a scene from the Halloween episode of the show Community, if you remember that show, um, with over-the-top caricatures of bad teens and the good teens, and the whole thing just really worked for me. Uh, it's a silly movie, but it's fun to watch. October 18th was the 2004 film Shudder. Um, I avoided this one after having seen the remake when I was young, which seems counterintuitive, I guess. Usually the original's better, but I just didn't bother. Uh, I finally went ahead and checked out the source material. Shudder further proves that the original is almost always better than the remake. Because the movie is fantastic, there is a real sense of dread and suspense throughout the movie, and it genuinely freaked me out more than once. So if you're looking for a good ghost story and can handle a movie with some subtitles, then you need to see it. October 19th, I took a look at Pulse, another one of the lousy American remake, and Pulse didn't really do anything for me. Uh, the story, the movie's a bit long, which is something you've probably heard me complain about before. Um, it doesn't really seem like a deep enough story to warrant it. It does make for kind of an interesting time capsule of a time when we were all a little bit afraid of the rising ubiquity of the internet and cell phones, and does something relatively interesting with that fear. Unfortunately, though, it does fall flat. October 20th, I looked at The House at the End of Time, a movie that I'd seen compared to Donnie Darko, and it actually kind of earns that. Uh, it deals with time travel, and that alone makes it a pretty complex movie full of twists and turns. The House at the End of Time is pretty interesting and creepy, though you will likely find yourself figuring out what's going on pretty quickly, and that might uh, affect your... Uh, and that, and um, that doesn't really ruin it 
for you, but it does make you wonder how they're going to pull off what they're setting up. It's interesting, creepy, and worth checking out. I recommend it. So far, by the way, all of these are recommended except for Pulse. Um, <laughs> we're still going with this weird music. Um, October 21st was Baskin. If I'm being honest, I can hardly believe the run of good movies that I had in the second half of the month. Baskin is a Turkish film about a group of police officers who stumble into hell when they come across a black mass. It's a surreal and interesting movie that absolutely delivers some of the some grim and hard to watch scenes. Um, great performances from a few actors were, were really make the movie work, but you've been warned it's a grim movie. October 22nd was Rorschach the 2015 movie that you can actually watch on YouTube right now. Um, took me back to the days of the first Paranormal Activity film. It's a slow burn with no real soundtrack to speak of and an almost unbearable tension. I found myself nervous about getting up and going to bed once the movie was over. And if you're someone who hates found footage movies uh, just out of hand, you're not going to like this. But if you're looking for an atmospheric haunted house movie with some real feeling performances, then look this one up on YouTube. I believe it's called Rorschach, the scariest movie on YouTube, which I don't like, but the movie itself is pretty good. Uh, this is where my my great run kind of fell apart on me. October 23rd, I checked out 1999's The Nameless. Um, <sighs> this one showed up on more than one great horror movies you've may have, you've never seen type lists. Um, so I took it on faith and checked it out. What starts as a fairly, fairly straightforward mystery that actually reminded me of Seven a little bit. Um, about a murdered girl and the effect that the loss had on her mother, it steadily flies off the rails and starts to incorporate more than it needs to, including a cult trying to synthesize evil, Nazi experiments, and a man who needs to deliver some photos and all kinds of other stuff. While the performances aren't bad, the movie just doesn't work, and it was made all the worse by the distracting English dub on the version that I watched, so maybe if you can find it with subtitles it's better. I don't know. October 24th was Sandman. Uh, from 2006, and I wouldn't call this an out-and-out -out mockumentary, um, but the term pseudo-documentary is one that I've seen used when talking about it, and that seems to fit, I think. Um, so, in this in this one, the bulk of the movie goes does appear to be an earnest documentary about underground horror and the extremes that some filmmakers go to present brutal and violent horror films. Um, through the documentary, however, is the introduction of the fictional character and his fictional series of snuff-quote films. The movie was initially presented as a pure documentary, and I think knowing that the film isn't is what hurts the film the most. It removes the punch and intrigue that could have been and replaces it with a mediocre story instead. Fans of August Underground and their ilk will likely enjoy the interviews with those filmmakers, but overall the movie is just empty and I would say pass. Uh, one Missed Call was the next one on October 25th, and a movie with a simple premise that actually takes on some pretty heavy subject matter. You don't exactly expect a movie about a ghost who kills you with a cell phone to make some pretty serious detours into dealing with child abuse and Munchausen syndrome, but One Missed Call does, and for some reason, it's there. Uh, in truth, the movie is just a bit too long and feels a little unfocused. It's well shot, well acted, and even has some really intense and frightening moments. It just didn't work for me overall. October 26th was The Beyond from 1981. If you like movies that don't have a plot and are just sort of gross from the beginning, then this is probably one that you want to check out. It's not very long or boring. It's I just had a hard time caring at all about anything that was going on. Um, plus, when you're like me, gore effects aren't enough to make a movie entertaining or necessarily worth it, and it was really all it had going for it. Nasty little 1980s grindhouse, but not one that felt worth the time. 
October 27th was when things started to pick back up for me again with Train to Busan from 2016. It may be hard to believe, but Train to Busan is a zombie movie that actually is a blast to watch. Um, it seems that we've seen every iteration of the story with zombies in it, but Busan wasn't exactly treading new ground. It is a colorful, fun film with a whole lot of energy and a heartbreaking ending. Uh, it proved that there might be some life in the empty husk that is the zombie subgenre, and it's a whole lot of fun and one that you should check out. I recommend that one, absolutely. The 28th was Opera. Uh, I've never really been a huge fan of Dario Argento, and I know horror fans out there are tuning out as soon as I said that, but he's always struck me as more of a style over substance director. And having now seen opera, I can pretty much stand by that statement. With that said, it is an entertaining film and offers up some pretty grim gore for those who need that in the in a horror movie to enjoy it. Story simple enough, a young opera starlet is stalked by a lunatic who murders her friends in front of her. All in all, it's an entertaining but not spectacular movie. I give that one a light recommend. Um, October 29th, 29 movies in, I watched The Exorcist 3, uh, which is, <laughs> it says here from 2009, but it is not from 2009. Um, the only Exorcist sequel that I'd ever heard a single good thing about, it was hard to imagine that this would even come close to offering the same level of quality and scares as the original. Um, with that said, it was a relief that The Exorcist 3 doesn't actually try to be as good or even the same kind of movie. It feels more like a mystery story with supernatural elements on its fringes. It's not a bad movie. It's not a great one. Certainly not even close to the original. October 30th, we're getting right down to the end here. The Presence. Um, I had such a great run of foreign films this month that I decided to take another one. This is the German found footage movie, The Presence. Uh, this is one of those movies that reminds me that there are terrible filmmakers all over the world who are trying to capitalize on what is popular rather than to do something interesting or original. The Presence is every other found footage ghost film, but somehow done even worse. Basically, it's everything that you hated about Paranormal Activity with even worse editing. And the final movie, October 31st, I watched 2012's I Am A Ghost. Um, Ending a month like that on a high is always kind of nice. I Am a Ghost delivered something special and interesting. Easily the artsiest movie that I've seen in a long time, that month and any month. Um, there's something that's very engaging and unique about it. It justifies its surreal nature by giving the movie a very unique perspective. Essentially, Ghost is the story of a ghost who has an almost psychiatric relationship with a medium who's trying to help her move on. Uh, admittedly, that's some pretty broad strokes to paint with, but not it's worth it to not know it is a slow build but it really effectively draws you in and is one that i would strongly recommend that's it that's the 31 days of horror my mouth hurts from talking about them honestly it's been it was a genuinely long month and a fun project and like i said if you want to read full reviews and things that i had to say about it plus see my reviews for new uh, other films you can do so by going to barleydoeshorror.wordpress.com and having a look at my horror reviews there. Uh, you can also follow me. I'm Barley with a B-A-R-1-E-Y on the website Letterboxd if you use that service. One more story here before we carry on. Um, so uh, I mentioned Black Mirror in the beginning of the show and I'm going to talk about the one more time because I just did finish season three and loved it and I want to talk about the eerie accuracy of Black Mirror. So you may have noticed the release of a new season of Black Mirror on your Netflix feed. If you're not sure whether to go 
uh, to go to get on board, I'm telling you to stop wondering and jump right into one of the most frighteningly prescient series I've ever seen. Black Mirror looks at the ways that our lives are presently run by technology and shows us the different paths that this reliance could take us. Even at its most bizarre and dystopian, there isn't an episode of Black Mirror that seems as though it could never happen. Combining elements of horror, science fiction, and biting social satire, Black Mirror manages to be both frightening and accurate. One such example of this accuracy comes from the first episode of season three called Nosedive. It takes place in what is best described as the near future, uh, where society has become obsessed with a system of star ratings that apply not to what you post, but to the actions you take in your daily life. Each person rates the other based on their interactions in an attempt to increase their own rating. Each level of rating unlocks societal benefits like preferred housing, seats on flights, or even just access to express lines. On top of these privileges, you also see the direct effects of being downrated on the way people look at you, on how you are treated by everyone else. Each person uses their cell phone and some kind of special contact lens or eye implant to see each other's current ratings and feeds. You're always aware of someone else's rating and your own, and this forces members of society to always be performing, lest they be downvoted or cast out. Uh, the story's main plot revolves around a woman who is asked to be maid of honor at her friend's wedding and relishes the opportunity to increase her rating. As her journey continues, a series of circumstances cause her rating to decrease, and we see her unravel. Uh, while technology... The, while the technology present in the episode is certainly futuristic, it does pretty closely resemble services like Instagram, Facebook, things like that. And Black Mirror makes it easy to imagine the steps our society might take to reach the social situation that you see in the show. It also highlights our present obsession with social media and how much value we place on someone giving a thumbs up or a follow and the consequences of, it, of this value. I'm sure many of you immediately thought, well, not me, I don't do that. But maybe you don't put stock on Instagram likes or retweets, but we all look for validation somewhere. And when a piece of technology becomes ubiquitous, it's hard to stay away from it forever. Nosedive presents a very scary reality using social satire that does seem like the logical extension of a present trend in social media. Well, you can watch the episode and laugh at the outrageous lengths people go in order to increase their ratings. There will be fearful a fearful twinge in the back of your mind as you recognize how real it is. Sorry. Each episode of Black Mirror is its own self-contained story, so there isn't really a wrong place to start. <coughs> oh, my God. Really sorry. While some episodes are frightening and others are funny, there is an overlying feeling of dread present when you start to look at the way the world around you depends on technology. While I would recommend taking a look at the entire series beginning back with season one, you can easily jump in at season three and not feel out of touch or like you're missing anything. The question is, how much will you trust your streaming device once you've finished Black Mirror? That is the real question um all right we are gonna go on and play some more music this one common has a new album and i'm gonna play a song from it his album is called uh, i believe black america again or america black again i don't remember which one of those it is but it's something like that um song is called rain this is common we'll be back uh, we'll be back when it's over my face tells me that I must go can't stay around too long before my tracks gonna catch me when they do I've got to be somewhere in LA so I can look at the sun and get my thinking done and if it's gonna rain tomorrow let it rain 
note I sang was in Beaver Falls, PA At some old and shabby bar, I never knew the name But I knew I couldn't work there, cause to follow my dreams They tell me find that place, find that place And if it's gonna rain tomorrow, let it rain Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Deep in my destination, trying to find my destination. With LA so far away And I'm soaking cold today Constantly is on my mind I'm only halfway there I'm not caring how much frustration Oh, I've got to cross this nation And if it's gonna rain tomorrow Let it rain Let it rain Let it rain falls down from the heavens think of how far i came since 87 took my hustle and made it a weapon i was always told in the pain there's a blessing mistakes that i made they mirrored the lessons talking with god i asked clearer questions dear lord is this what i'm destined for if so then what am i stressing for we tight then why can't i let it go everything gonna be all right is more than a metaphor let it rain cause it's ancestral cleanse my heart so they can see the best in you let it rain and come down visceral for those no longer here in the physical let it rain cause it's like tears from you just like the rain i'll do what i'm here to do let it rain i know that it's purposeful so we can service you and return to you let it rain let the rain surround me and never drown me i was lost when it found me now in the dream is where i'll be imperial rain came down to crown me now in the dream is where I'll be Imperial rain came down to crown me Imperial rain came down to crown me Now in the dream, a dream is where I'll be And if it's gonna rain tomorrow Let it rain Let it rain Let it rain Let it rain Let it Right, that was common with rain and that featured John Legend. I was a little bit surprised and confused when that started. I was like, I was kind of expecting that to be an immediate rap song, but no, it was, uh, there you go, John Legend providing some really beautiful vocals there at the beginning. Oh, God, you guys, I am, I'm exhausted. I really am. Uh, this week has been hard and uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely feeling it anyway let's talk about sausage party because that seems like it would completely be the appropriate thing to do right now um i'm sure some of most of you remember what sausage party is it is the uh animated adults animated film 
by Seth Rogen and his crew where food comes to life and uh, finds out that they are being murdered by uh, <laughs> by humans uh, and then they kind of have to accept that it's, it's a pretty based on the ads I was not looking forward to it and I really didn't think it was going to be much uh, worth talking about honestly but uh, I've since watched it and realized that it's actually kind of something more than it should be um, and I want to talk about it because I wrote about it in the paper and right now there is a uh, full page review or half three quarter page review of the movie Sausage Party in um, <laughs> in the Navigator that you can read with a photo or sorry, a screen capture from it from ChristianityToday.com, which I thought was even funnier. So this is my review of Sausage Party, and I want to talk about it a little bit. So something completely different for those of you who have grown tired about my endless ramblings about horror movies and science fiction. Instead, I want to take a look at a juvenile, gross, problematic, and absurd little movie called Sausage Party. For those who don't know what Sausage Party is, it is an animated film that takes place in a grocery store and follows the story of Frank, a sausage, on a journey to find the truth of his and, by extension, his fellow grocery items' very existence. In essence, their very lives are based on the idea that if they stay fresh and pure, they will be chosen by the gods and taken to the great beyond. I hope now that you've figured out exactly the point being made by this film. It's not the most subtle, but it's also a movie that ends with a giant food orgy, so you can't expect too much in the way of subtlety. So, Sausage Party was brought to us by the same minds responsible for Knocked Up, This is the End, and 50-50, uh, as well as the, I think, underrated and kind of missed movie The Night Before, uh, and contains most of the kinds of things that you'd expect from that. It's packed with food puns, ethnic stereotypes, gross-out shock humor, and of course, the different kinds of food having sex with each other, because why wouldn't you have that? Um, throw in some cracks about bath salts, the drug, not the salts, and a discarded condom that has a gross conversation, plus a huge food orgy, and you'd be more than forgiven for thinking that this movie was trash just on its face. Hell, from seeing the trailers, I was prepared to write the movie off as a terrible excuse for a notorious crew of guys to be gross and offensive. In thinking this way, I managed to completely forget that these guys are also known for producing genuinely funny, honest, and entertaining movies, and there was no reason not to think that they wouldn't bring the same sensibility to this one. I mean, these are the same people who made me cry watching 50-50, uh, so it makes sense that this would be, wouldn't be a completely incompetent movie at the very least. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. This movie is exactly what you think it is, but if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that, strangely enough, it has something to say. The big theme present in the movie is religion. Obviously, that's kind of right there on the surface. Or more specifically, the problems and absurdities present in religion now. Uh, it's a, sort of a love letter to atheism or agnosticism, maybe a bit of both. And it spends time pretending that the groceries... Or, sorry, presenting the groceries' religious beliefs sarcastically through a song that they all sing at the beginning of the movie. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not subtle about what it's trying to say, and it doesn't make you work hard to see the message. If you look for it, if you know, as long as you look for it, you can predict how things are going to go, with Frank realizing that everything is a lie and the food uprising against the gods. I'd apologize for spoiling it, but I don't really feel bad about doing that. It's a movie about sausages. Let's all just take it easy. 
It's important to recognize that Sausage Party is a parody as well. It's a send-up of the Pixar brand of family film. Uh, one review in particular uh, by a YouTube personality called Movie Bob talks about how Sausage Party takes all the elements that Pixar completely avoids in its films, particularly when it comes to sex and body functions and the concept of race and gender as it relates to the humanity of the characters. That's his words, not mine. Um, essentially taking the anthropomorphism of animals and objects all the way to the edge of that idea. If you're willing to look a little bit deeper, according to the same reviewer, Sausage Party also points out the absurdity of the way in which we attach racial or gendered identities to food products, which we see all the time. Um, Sausage Party harkens back to the early days of South Park, which is w w back when they were getting nominated for Academy Awards and using shock humor to make points. This movie does this in much the same way, and ultimately it works. <clears throat> and no one was more surprised by this than me, by the way. A scene in particular that sold me on the movie was a recreation of the opening scene in Saving Private Ryan, when a jar of honey mustard throws itself from a shopping cart and, after learning the truth about the destiny of food, resulting in death and chaos. I'm not going to pretend that this is the funniest movie I've ever seen, or even comes close to being the funniest movie I've ever seen, but it does really work well as a parody of Pixar films and as a commentary on religion and the results of keeping a group of people, or groceries, um oppressed for a long time the tension released at the end of the that comes at the end of the movie is a violent revolution and an orgy and it's not hard to imagine that it's possible even just looking at our current social climate more so now at this point <clears throat> i can't believe that i've talked this long about a movie whose villain is a literal douche and features selma hayek as a taco dealing with accepting her sexual identity but apparently that's where we are now that's the kind of time that i'm having Sausage Party is gross and it's got problems, of course it does, um, <clears throat> but it's not nearly as repugnant and stupid as I expected it to be, with performances from people who are genuinely funny too, like Seth Rogen, Kristen Wiig, Michael Sarah, Jonah Hill, Bill Hader. It's not a huge surprise that the movie is funny, but it is a huge surprise that it worked the way that it did. I'd say check it out, but know that your assumptions are probably correct if, you, if that helps make your decision at all um I, I gave it a three and a half out of five i'm not going anywhere crazy but three and a half i would say it's a solid recommend in terms of movies that are released this year and um i think that you'll i think you'll enjoy it probably i would completely throw any expectations of quality or or poignancy out the window because you are going to get a lot of what you expect to get but i think it was worth the time and i I'm, i've now talked about it so i've Spent my time on it as well as yours. So that's just great. So we're going to play another song here. Childish Gambino is back with a brand new song and we're going to listen to it. It's called Me and Your Mama from his upcoming album, um, Awaken or Awake My Love, coming December 2nd. It's a brand new song. So listen to it. We'll be back. Um, oh, jeez. Sorry. <laughs> I had something going there apparently. Anyway, we're going to listen to this. We'll be back after.
Gambino's upcoming album Awake My Love I really like that that was kind of a nice little journey to take oh and I definitely needed it um I, I do apologize that the show has maybe been a little less light than I had hoped or that I had promised it would be I, I really wanted it to be a light show this week but I definitely expected the American election to go a different way and I expected to be able to just kind of not uh, not worry about it, but I'm worried about it, and we should be worried about it. Um, yeah. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna bring this to the end of the show. I think we're we're about done here. So that is going to be it for uh, uh for the masthead this week. As always, I want to take a minute and give credit where credit is due, and mention all of the amazing people who make this show and the paper possible from the navigator our editor-in-chief molly barrio our art director avery crossan our associate editor natalie gates our news editor aislin Cotel, our sports and lifestyle editor who conducted the point of viu this week cole schisler um our production manager katherine charbois our graphic designers jessica pearson and zyra hoskins our web editor spencer smith our social media manager elisa dorkson our bookkeeper lynn williams our business manager christine frenick and of course our copy editor and sex columnist diana pearson uh, of course, everyone here at CHLY and the wonderful Chantel Spicer for joining me today. And me, your host and arts and entertainment editor, Brendan Barlow, uh, who hopefully will be feeling a little better by next week. Please remember that The Navigator wants your contributions. The articles, reviews, and stories, and anything else you have in mind might just find their way into the paper, but we can't publish what we don't have. So with that in mind, please send your contributions to editor at thenav.ca. Um, a few things to keep in mind for in terms of publishing, however, um, the section editors reserve the right to edit for length and for content and do not guarantee that your piece will be published. We also don't pay for letters to the editor, but you are welcome to write them and we will print them. If you're a student, you will get paid for your submissions and we cannot wait to hear from you. Please take a minute to find The Masthead, The Navigator, and CHLY on Facebook for updates and to stay in the know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. It genuinely helps, and I really appreciate it. Um, finally, please get in touch with the show. I can't improve it without your feedback, and I would love to hear from you about the show, about the election, about whatever you want. You can use hashtag MastheadRadio on Twitter or email me at TheMasthedRadio at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, join us next week when we will have a brand new episode of The Navigator. And please don't forget that this is the fun drive. We are uh, raising money here at the station for the next week. Or sorry, for the next four days. The fun drive ends on the 14th. Um, so please do donate and help keep the station alive and keep the programming that comes out of it on the air. Uh, we can't do it without you. So 
please help us out. CHOY.ca slash donate or um, call in to the office and pledge. Thank you so, so much again for listening. I hope that um, I hope that everyone is doing okay. And if not, share it. Talk about it. We, we can't just pretend that it's not happening. And we cannot pretend that it's not going to affect us either. Uh, this next one is a brand new song by STR FKR. I'm sure you can figure out what that is. And the song title seems appropriate. Uh, Dark Days is the name of this song. We'll be back next week. Thank you again so much. And take it easy. <laughs>